Oh, hey, I'm so glad that you found us. My name's Michael, and I get to be the pastor at Shepherd's Community United Methodist Church in Lakeland, Florida. You're listening to the It's Better When You're Here podcast, where every week we upload the messages that are preached at our church every Sunday. We hope by listening to this, uh, you feel safe, heard, and loved by the God that created you. We hope this message makes an impact in your life. If listening to this makes a difference, reach out to us and connect with us either on social media or on our website, shepherdsumc.com. All right, here's the message. We'll be reading from Joel 2, 26 through 32. You will eat abundantly and be satisfied, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God, who has done wonders for you, and my people will never again be put to shame. You will know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God. No other exists. Never again will my people be put to shame. After that, I will pour out my spirit upon everyone. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. In those days, I will also pour out my spirit on the male and female slaves. I will give signs in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. But everyone who calls on the Lord's name will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be security, as the Lord has promised, and in Jerusalem. The Lord will summon those who survive. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Woo! Well, good morning. I was not here last week. Amanda and I got to go off to St. Augustine to see a concert Saturday night. We thought about driving back, but we didn't want to. So we stayed in St. Augustine, and my good friend Rick was able to come and preach. He, he has told us how much he just loves preaching for you guys, and it's so wonderful to be able to have a friend nearby that preaches well and, and loves you guys uh, as much as I love you, which is really wonderful. So I'm glad that we were able to share that. Friends, to behold the dreams God has for this church and this neighborhood is to be overcome with wonder. So we're looking at rest. That's what our mixtape series is all about, what it means to rest in the way that God calls us to and why we need to pursue it as a discipline. Rest is something God did and it's something that we need to do. Rest is something that is not optional for the human body. As you get older, your body reminds you of that reality. But there are even times when we are older, we think to ourselves, rest is for someone else. But rest is something that God calls us to. The whole series has kind of been going after the, the old uh, cassette players that mixtapes would be on. And so we've talked about pause and record and play. This week, we get to talk about fast forwarding. Fast forwarding is a little bit different now that we have digital music. I loved fast forwarding my sister's tapes because you got to hear what it sounded like being sped up. You'd hear uh, girl bands would start to sound like the chipmunks. Do you know what I mean? And, And that was always really fun to hear. But when we talk about fast forwarding in our lives, to me, when I hear fast forwarding and I think about God's plan in my life, I think about dreaming. Dreaming is something that I think Christians have really lost the act of doing. I don't mean the thing that happens when you sleep, although I'm sure that can happen too. How many of you have ever had work dreams and woken up feeling tired? Oh, it is is the worst. I love y'all, but there are times I wake up and I'm like, 
did I just write a sermon for eight hours? That was tough. That was really not, not really fun. I have had dreams where, you know, the bishop has come to me and scolded me. And I've had to wake up and be like, wait, did that actually happen? You know, really vivid dreams. Luckily, that hasn't happened. Uh, I hope it's not a premonition. Hi, Bishop. But uh, dreaming about what is ahead is a part of rest. Thinking about the future does not feel restful to most of us, I assume. Thinking about the future can be something that requires you to have rest afterwards. But I'm hoping by the end of today, you have a way of thinking about the future in a way that makes it feel not only not dreadful, but in fact, restful. But the thing I'm going to say a lot today, the thing I hope you get stuck in your head is this. For the people of God, knowing that the best is yet to come is an act of devotion to God. For the people of God, knowing that the best is yet to come is an act of devotion to God. So our passage today that we read is from the book of Joel. How many of you, when you heard Elena read the scripture so well, really focused on the fire and the brimstone portion of it? Yeah, believe it or not, that's not the point of the passage. But yes, as human beings, we are going to focus on the times that we might catch fire. I get it. That's a normal human response. But the passage that Joel wrote for us really has more to do with the visions and the dreams of the future. Joel is a prophet, and that means that he brings messages from God. Joel is an avenue through which God communicates with God's people. And so Joel's job is to tell the people of Israel what God needs to say to them. Oftentimes, what Joel needs to say is not a good thing. Believe it or not, Israel is in a bad spot. I I feel like you guys are going to think that I only pick the passages where Israel is struggling, but frankly, it's hard to find ones where things are going well. Uh, you know, it, it really is. It's, it's like being a Detroit Lions fan. You can't find a good season. Amen. And, and it's just the way it is. And, and Joel is once again speaking to the people of Israel in a tough spot. And this might feel like a throwaway. This might feel like a cliche. But sometimes cliches are, are good because they're true. And it's this. When things are at the lowest, listen for God. I want to be very particular with my words here. What, What I'm not saying is when things are at the lowest, God probably made it the lowest so that you could listen to God better. I know a lot of pastors say that. I think that's bunk. Because when you look at that, when you analyze what that means, is that God is making your world hard so that you can listen better to God. That's not the God that I know. Instead, I know a God that when things are tough, God speaks more clearly because God knows I need to hear from God. All right, I'll get off my soapbox, but I am going to continue to preach. For the people of God, knowing that the best is yet to come is an act of devotion to God. So dreaming is rest. I understand that this might seem strange. The idea of looking into the future, dreaming about the future cannot feel restful. If you're like me, as soon as Easter is over, I doubt you're like me in this one. As soon as Easter is over, I begin to think about Advent which is the season before Christmas, and that's because of of my gig. And as soon as Christmas is over, I start thinking about Easter. And it seems as if my life kind of just orbits those two main events. And it's similar when we're done with Fall Fest for Medilla. I begin to think about Spring Fest for Medilla. It's, It's just the way that things go. And it can oftentimes feel like this overwhelming thing. Has anyone ever experienced or heard of the Sunday scaries? 
has anyone ever felt this before? Okay, some of y'all are just lying, but it's that feeling that you have on Sunday night before work comes the next day or school comes the next day, where you start getting this feeling of, oh, wait, I do have a job. You know, I do, I do have to get up and do something. Uh, pastors get that too. It just ha- happens to happen on Saturday. This feeling of, oh, there's something coming up. And, and so the idea of thinking about the future as a bit of rest can feel strange to us, right? But let me tell you this, if dreaming about the future makes you anxious, you aren't dreaming, you're dreading. If dreaming about the future makes you anxious, you aren't dreaming, you're dreading. I mean, duh, right? If you think about the future and all you think about is the ways that things could go wrong, you aren't dreaming, you're dreading. And so when Joel speaks to us as a prophet, Joel is not telling the people of Israel a story that should make them anxious or make them scared, but instead it's a story that God is telling all of us to get excited about what's ahead. We read that passage and we heard about fire and brimstone and and the great day, dreadful day of the Lord, and we missed all of the other good things that God would pour out messages to people, that we would dream dreams. Your young men will see visions and we'll have signs on the earth below. Instead, we just hear blood and fire and billowing smoke. I get it. But we also need to focus on the signs that tell us that things are looking up. Dreaming about the future takes courage, not foolishness. When we dream about the future, it requires a sense of courage that I think Christians have forgotten to have. I think Christians have forgotten to have courage about the days ahead because our culture wants us to be afraid. I don't know about you, but I I have stopped watching the news. I still stay informed with the world around me. It's important. I'm a part of a community. For some reason, I get to vote, so I should know what's going on in my neighborhood. I listen to people. But I can't tell you the last time that I haven't turned on CNN, Fox, MSNBC, and shut it off because I felt a panic attack coming. You know, not only watermelons might be more expensive, but could they be killing you? I don't know. You know, there's stories that they're not there to inform you. They're there to keep your eyeballs on the screen so you can learn about how you can buy, you know, gold from some washed up celebrity. I digress. But here's the thing. When we as Christians, when we think about the future, we need to have courage. If when you think about the future, you think about how society is going to collapse or how things are going wrong, how everything needs to change, then you're missing the point, friends. If society collapses in the future, it's because the church forgot to do her job, okay? And so when you look, about the, look into the future and you have dread, Remember that God is not done working in our lives. Amen? For the, y'all like that one? For the people of God, knowing that the best is yet to come is an act of devotion. So let's talk about Joel. Joel had courage. To his hearers, Joel sounded naive. When he came and he said, God is going to continue to do a great work among us, the people of Israel looked around and said, are you talking to someone else? because I know that God's not talking to a loser like me. The people of Israel in a low spot, they didn't think that God cared about them any longer. To believe in a better tomorrow is to trust the word of God. Because friends, like I said, 
I may not watch the news, but I know what's going on. I see the studies that tell us that we're getting more and more opposed to one another, that we are interacting with our neighbors less and less, that we're making broader and deeper assumptions about people based off of their geographical location, their economic stature, or their political affiliation. I know that people are getting lonelier and lonelier and lonelier, and yes, I have noticed that gas is more expensive. I understand that things are tough, but to have courage and to believe in a better tomorrow is to trust the word of God. It's not just naivete, and I think it requires a little bit of naivete to believe in a better tomorrow. Friends, it takes courage. To say yes to what could be and not probably is an act of worship. This prophecy that we read here in Joel, friends, it dreams up this church, this group of people here in this space. The people hearing Joel's message could not have imagined that the Messiah would come several hundred years later in the person of Jesus. They couldn't imagine that the very people that were oppressing them would at some point know the message of God, would know the love of Christ. They had no idea They could not have fathomed what it was that we would be here together on these 10 acres worshiping the Messiah. They could not have dreamt that up. And here Joel is talking about this church. For the people of God, knowing that the best is yet to come is an act of devotion. Friends, we're the wildest dreams of saints gone by. If you look through the Bible, if you look through the history of the church in America, the church in the world, you'll see a bunch of saints that had dreams that they never got to see. They planted trees they did not get to sit underneath. And we see that again and again, those dreams come to fruition. The Great Commission, Christ stands with his friends and says, go ye into all the, he said go ye because I grew up fundamentalist and that's how I know how to quote the scripture. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all of his disciples probably would have said something to all the world. I've never left the Shire. I mean, these were, these were fishermen. These were illiterate people. These were men and women that had never left home. And God said, have you heard of Spain? Go there, right? Have you heard of India? No, you better learn. Go and tell them. And they did, friends. That's what's crazy. They did. They went. They got on boats. They got moving. And they told the story. And thank God that they did. Because here we are now knowing that great message. I got a picture of a good friend of mine, John Wesley. If you've ever been to Savannah, you see a statue of Darth Vader, but really short. It's actually John Wesley. There's a statue of John Wesley in Savannah because John Wesley went on a mission trip. John Wesley was an Anglican priest. He helped found the Methodist movement. And he felt that he needed to go to Savannah, to the wild wilderness of the New World, and preach the gospel to the Native Americans that were there. But here's the thing about John Wesley. He showed up, and there was no wild wilderness in Savannah. Because Savannah had been founded like 150 years previous. They had paved roads. And he's like, hey, where's the wilderness? And they're like, we don't have any. He's like, oh, no. And so he became a local parish priest. And 
I'll tell you, if you go through confirmation or the new member class, here, this is how we hook you in. I'll tell you the full story of why he got kicked out of Savannah, but John Wesley was not allowed to stay in Savannah. That, that's what they call a cliffhanger. Anyways, he failed. He failed in Savannah, and yet here we are. Because if you go to Savannah, you'll also see some beautiful United Methodist churches called Wesley Memorial. <laughs> and, and if you come here to this church, you hear a message that, that John Wesley taught. If you stay and you sing one of our hymns, more than likely it'll be written by his brother because the message that God had to share was so strong that it was greater than the failures of John Wesley. He had dreams and they came to fruition eventually. Got a picture of another man as well. His name is Richard Allen. Richard Allen was a Methodist preacher. He was an enslaved person. He won his freedom from a kidnapper that kept him enslaved. Heard the message of Jesus through the Methodist movement and became inspired, became a pastor and led a congregation. This is a very dark story in the history of Methodism. 1780s, I believe it was. Took his friends to go pray at the altar of a church in Virginia, and his friends looked like him. And the white people in that church came and took them and said, you can pray in the balcony. And Richard Allen said to all of his friends, friends, we're going to go pray at a different church. And he went and he founded another church altogether. In a church that was founded off of John Wesley's teaching, the gospel of Jesus Christ, people saw the color of someone's skin and said, you're not welcome, and look at us now. Friends, the American church is not perfect. And as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, the most segregated hour of the week is 10 a.m. on a Sunday. But we're doing better. Richard Allen could have never imagined that there would be leadership positions in our denomination filled with men and women of color. That they could never have imagined that this world would not be so predicated and changed by the color and the tone of your skin We are Richard Allen's greatest dream come to fruition. Friends, we are the wildest dreams come true of saints who have gone before. For the people of God, knowing that the best is yet to come is an act of devotion to God. And why can't we dream? When I I tell you these things, when I tell you about dreaming, when I tell you to believe in a better future, you might be saying, yeah, I've tried that and I can't figure out how to do it. Well, friends, I think that we get convinced that this is how things are. And things might be that way, but they don't have to stay that way. That's just the way things are. It's just the way things are. It might be what someone told Richard Allen. Listen, it's just the way things are. You know, uh, you get to have your church, we'll have our church, and we'll stay segregated, just like heaven. And Richard Allen knew better, right? He said, that's not gonna happen. And he founded a beautiful movement. And maybe they would have said to John Wesley, listen, hey, we just kind of show up. We do our best. We don't really bother anyone. You just have your tiny little parish here in, in Savannah. That's just the way things are. He said, no, nah, I, I don't really want to do that. I want to see something bigger and greater. Or maybe Jesus gives the great commission to the disciples and says, go ye in all the world and preach the gospel. And the disciples say, but isn't Jerusalem enough? I've I don't want to get too big. You know, I don't want to grow too much because once we get too much, then we'll have smoke machines and fog machines and rock and roll music. And I don't really want to do that. I like my church the way it is. But they didn't. 
Instead, they said, what more could happen here? Friends, imagine if we refused to dream. We said, this is the way things are for this church. Most of you, most of you would not be here. It would just be like me and the Ravens. Like it would just be us. Like it wouldn't be a whole lot of you. But instead, those that were here and those that are here now said, this is not it. This might be the way things are, but it's not the way it's going to stay forever. Dreams have not come true. But friends, we cannot let the past steal future joy. I'm going to say that again. We cannot let the past steal the joy of the future. When you let past experience influence how you dream about the future, you are letting the past experiences that you've had, that you've suffered through, steal the joy of the future. And tragedies of today have taken our creativity for tomorrow. We see church leaders fall. We see churches fail. We see communities fail. We see violence. We see separation. We see all these things and we think, well, that's just the way things are and we lose our creativity. Henry Ford once said, if I had asked people what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. And then Henry Ford created the Model T. And that's how we all got here today, unless you rode a horse. In that case, very cool. But tragedies of day have taken our creativity for tomorrow. For the people of God, knowing that the best is yet to come is an act of devotion. And friends, we must dream. If we want to be like God, we need to have dreams because God has dreams for us. If we want to be like God, we need to have dreams because God has dreams for us. It's so interesting. It's so good. It's so vivid to understand God as a parent. We sang good, good father. God is our parent. Because since becoming a parent myself, I have dreams for my kid. If you've never been a parent, I know that you have dreams for the younger generation. As I get older and young adults get younger, I I begin to have dreams for them. I love Gen Z. I think they're the most creative, annoying, empowered group of people I've ever met. And I have dreams for them. I love seeing kids that are their whole selves. And I think, boy, we would eat you alive at Lake Wales High School in 2005. You'd be a lot less creative, honey. And I'm so glad that they have that freedom. I have dreams for the coming generation. How much more so are the dreams that God has for all of us than we have for even our own kids. Amen. Imagine the God of the universe and God's perfect love has dreams for you, friend. Not just for the good ones, right? Not just for the church in general, but for you, my friend. God has dreams for you. What a gift. And our work as the church is to share the dreams of God for our neighborhood. It's our job to share the dreams of our neighborhood. I mean, what is this church if not an outpost for the dreams of God? What is this community if not an opportunity for people to see a reflection of God's kingdom, if not just for an hour a week? What is this church if not a place where things are made right, even just a little bit? We get to see the dreams that God has for us when we gather together. You know, friends, soon and very soon, this church will look different. I was just talking to some friends this morning about this. 
I come here pretty much every week, you know, about 48 Sundays a year, okay, as is required by the Book of Discipline. And I, I see it, and so I don't see the changes. But then I'll have family come from out of town, and they'll come, and they'll be like, when did that happen? And they're like, when did what happen? And they're like, all those people. Like, I don't know. It just kind of happened, right? We don't see the incremental changes because we can miss it. But if we, soon and very soon, this church will begin to look different. There will be new ministries. There will be new people, new buildings, new staff, new memories. We'll have new worship services. We'll have new ways of doing ministry, new songs. And we get to dream and do that. You know, it can be scary sometimes to see change, to see the future. But friends, the only place, this is really corny, buckle up. The only place where a group of people don't change together is a cemetery. Hmm? I said it. Listen, hey, when a group of people are gathered together and they believe in what God can do, things change. and We get to dream and celebrate it together. To dream in a holy way is to get your hands dirty. Because here's the thing about dreams. You just get to wake up. But if you have a dream where you hit the lottery, you wake up broke, right? Or the same amount of broke as you were when you went to bed. But here's the thing about the dreams that God gives for us. We can actually see them happen. Friends, I can't tell you how many times I dreamed about the space I see in front of me right now. Can't tell you how many times I dreamed about seeing sunflowers bloom and limp over. I can't tell you how many times I dreamed about a praise team that was full. Can't tell you how many times I dreamed about running out of bulletins. These were the dreams that God put in my heart, and here they are. Can't tell you how many times I dreamed that one of our students would come and repeat something that they heard one of their leaders say. I can't tell you how many times I dreamed dreams that people would come to me and say, I never thought I could be in a church, but here I am feeling welcomed, safe, heard, and loved. Can't tell you how many times I dreamed that people would come to me and say, I don't know what I believe, but I feel safe here to not know what I believe in a community. I can't tell you how many times I dreamed exactly that, and here we are, and let me tell you, it did not happen because I sat in my office and read commentaries. It's because I did the work, and I did not do it alone. I was surrounded by saints that caught just a little whiff of that dream and thought, hey, why not? Let's see what happens. And these saints that I'll never be able to name all of them because there are too many, but they're here in this room and they're watching online. They continue to believe in their dreams and they got their hands dirty by saying, yes, I think you should come to church with me on Sunday. The dreams came true because they got to work by saying, yes, I'll get to worship early. Yes, I will come home early from a vacation. I will post about church on social media. I will be honest and pray about what God is doing in my life. I will share with other people. That's the only reason why we are where we are. And friends, it is the only way that we will see what God has for all of us. I cannot dream alone. And I don't want to, frankly. I don't want to dream by myself because I'll be honest with you, I got good ideas. Y'all got better ones. Like y'all have better ideas, better dreams for this church, better dreams for this neighborhood. And I love to see them happen. I cannot tell you how much joy it brings me when someone says, what if we did? And then tells me something I've never thought of and I get to pretend like, yeah, I've been thinking about that for a while. Because it's such a good idea, I can't let them get all the credit. And then we get to see it happen. Uh, Pastor Michael, what if we did 
And it kind of sounds like they're coming to me for permission. And it's like, girl, if you only knew, I would just say yes, like before you even start. Because when God puts a dream in your heart, all I get to do as your pastor is say, yes, how can I help? Now, let me be honest with you. If you come to me with an idea, and some of you have already heard this, say, it'd be great if we did boop. And I'd say, yeah, how can we make that happen? And notice I said, we, and I don't mean the mouse that I have in my pocket. I mean, you and me together. That's another thing that you learned in membership class. Uh, once you become a member, <laughs> I don't do anything. We do everything. Anyways, I cannot dream enough for all of us, and I don't want to. I know that the dreams that you have are so much greater than what God could cook up in my mind because, because you are who Joel dreamed about. You are who is spoken of in the prophecy of Joel. You're the one with the visions. You're the ones with the dreams. I get to just see God do it and work on it together. You will get your hands dirty. Literally. Why do we have a garden ministry? Because a whole bunch of people were like, yeah, I don't, I don't really wear these shorts anymore and these shoes can get thrown away after this. So I'm going to get filthy, covered in compost. Gross. Because enough people were like, you know what? I really do want to hang out with kids and youth and get Nerf bullets shot at my forehead. I really do want to stay up all night and eat pizza for breakfast. I really do want to cut and paste different stories of the Bible because people are willing to get dirty, get their hands dirty. That is the reason why these dreams happen. So may you dream like Joel with expectant hope. And as the great Saint Journey said, don't stop believing. Let's pray together. All right, friends, I hope you heard something in today's message that made an impact in your life, helped you know that you're loved by God, and inspired you to do something about the gospel that is offered to you. Now receive this blessing as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.